in a world, the year 2016. Hello everyone, Bry the Movie Guy here, along with co-host extraordinaire Cody Wilfong. On today's podcast, we kick off Remake Month. That's right, this month we're only talking about remade films. And we're going into the what-if aspect. What if the director was different? What if the cast was different? How different would this remake be if just these little factors change? And today's podcast is probably one of the most controversial remakes of all time. The 2016 Ghostbusters Answer the Call, directed by Paul Feig. Um, And we are going to jump into a universe where Paul Feig didn't direct this movie and we get a bit of more faithful adaptation, I would say, but let's get into it. Hello, everyone. Bri, the movie guy here, along with podcast co-host extraordinaire, Cody, 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 Will, 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 Fong, Fong, wah, wah, wah. Hey, buddy. Hey, how's it going? Oh, you know. We're, hey, we're here. It's a new month. This will be my uh, last one for a couple weeks after this one. Yeah, yeah, well, man. Yeah, might be going solo or bringing another person on. Well, I'm going to be bringing in at least Jason's going to probably come in for one. And then my buddy Brandon's probably going to come in for another. And then you'll come in for the last one. But you might have to sacrifice Gone in 60 Seconds. That's fine. <laughs> okay. I got to get, get the surgery done. Yeah, so. <laughs> um, but anyway, this is the start of. Um, remake month where we're going in we're talking about remakes and we're essentially remaking the remakes because some remakes aren't bad you know we could we could pull up you know what in fact let's pull up a list but while i'm pulling up this list of top remakes made we were talking about a new show called the last of us and i haven't got to see it yet but i need to ask this question and I, I purposely did not ask it in person because I want it on the pod. But is Pedro Pascal the pop culture icon now? I'd say so. I mean, everything he touches turns to gold right now. Everything he touches turns to gold. He's the Mandalorian. He's Joel now. And, yeah. you know, he was probably like the best thing out of that sequel to The King. Everyone Kingsman. loves him. He's he's a likable guy. Relatable. He's Oberyn Martell from yeah. the Game of Thrones. Uh you know, he has this really interesting, um, just, uh, like, I don't know. He He's just put yeah. himself into pop culture in such a way that he's, like, cemented he so hard. He had death in Game of Thrones. Oh, God, <laughs> yeah. It was the worst kill you could have. Um, I'm going to re... Okay, so... Here's an idea of, like, remakes. Because there's so many remakes, but the annoying thing about, like, trying to plan this month is I don't want to do any horror films. Yeah. Even though this Ghostbuster film that we're about to do... We're, so which which Ghostbusters are we remaking? We are doing... Well, we have to do a remake. So, so the, the remake other, is the 2016 one. Okay, yeah. Ghostbusters Afterlife is, the, is a straight is sequel. The woman... That's the one with Melissa McCarthy. That was the one I hated them. <laughs> See, a lot of people hate it. I I don't mind it. I thought it had its moments. Like, it, and it I really love Kate McKinnon. It had it. its moments, but I think they were trying too hard on the comedy aspect. 
They no, yeah. I I think they were trying. They were being too PC when it was probably a bad time to be PC, yes. and they. And they purposely make fun of it in the movie, so they are acknowledging the amount it's of... It's almost like a slap in the face to the audience, It's like their intelligence. Like, you're acknowledging the fact that you're doing this. I wouldn't go that far. That's a bit <laughs> dramatic. But um, it just, it was a movie that, well, I don't mind, I think Ghostbusters Afterlife did it best. Because when I heard of a new Ghostbusters film and they said it was going to be all female, I said, well, why can't we have a mix? Mm-hmm. Like, and I thought of Bill Hader automatically, uh, Kim Jong. I thought of him. I thought he would be an interesting choice. And then I thought of Emma Stone. I didn't like Chris Hemsworth's character. Chris Hemsworth, like, and that was another thing where it was like, okay, no, what is this now? Like, we have to yeah. be little men. And then he goes and does Men in Black. Right after that, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and that Men in Black was shit, was, too. Yeah, yeah. Chris Hemsworth might be, like, the most successful bad actor, <laughs> like, besides The Rock. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, well, they make really, the rock, they Chris. make schlock films, and are, but they're still successful. It's just because of their name. It's their name, exactly. But, um, I might regret that, but then again, yeah, Chris Hemsworth <laughs> was also in Red Dawn, so that was a bad remake. The only, <laughs> the only thing I will say about that movie is... The only reason why I thought it was decent was because of the... Oh, what's his name? I know it's not Josh... Is it Josh Peck? Is yeah, Josh there? Peck's in it. That was... He was the only character I could... He did like. do well with... He did do well in it. But, um... Because that was right after uh, his sitcom. But, like, here are some, like, really good remakes that are... what We have <laughs> The Mummy. Brendan yes. Fraser's The Mummy. That's a remake. Ocean's Eleven. And they remade that again. And they remade it again. That, that one's was, not a good remake. Yeah, it's not. They did Ocean's Eleven. Mm-hmm. Batman Begins is considered a remake because it restarts the timeline of the whole Batman story. Uh, the Parent Trap with Lindsay Lohan. They need to remake The Flash. From I know it's not out yet, but they just need to remake they just it. Remake. <laughs> well, it's supposed to like be the restart of like the James Gunn thing, which I'm I I'm not impressed with that announcement. We won't stay on that because I'm not going to get all like because everybody knows I like Zack Snyder, but I also really like Robert Pattinson's Batman because Matt Reeves has done an excellent job. And dude, the Batman Part Two coming out just now, two ha- years. I, how have they announced a villain yet? No, but I think a lot of people. I think it's going to personally. I think it's going to be Court of Owls. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be Court of Owls. And but I've seen a lot of fan art depicting it as Sub Zero, which they need to get a good not Sub Zero, uh, Mister Freeze. Yeah, they need to get Sub Zero was the animated film they did. They need to get a good Mister Freeze, yeah. not the Terminator in Mister Freeze. I have an unpopular opinion about a remake, but I really like the two thousand five King Kong, mm-hmm. the Peter Jackson one. It's big, it's epic, it's fun. You got Jack Black in it. Now this one though the. When they remade it again, I think that was a little bit better. The how they go into depth and bring him in as like one oh, of the, where as they're the in the seventies. Yeah, yeah, I really like that one. And they they bring him in as a titan. Yeah, and then um, of course, one of the best remakes of all time, The Thing, John Carpenter's The Thing. I love that movie. Um, but we're like I said, we're talking about today's episode is Ghostbusters answer the call. Um, came out, and the what-if aspect here is, what if the studio 
for one, Paul Feig, no longer the director. I always thought if they were to do it, it would be, um, well, we'll get into that shortly, but he'll be out as director. And if they decided, because at this point when they announced this, I was just, I never thought there would be a third straight Ghostbuster film. Um, not a remake. I remember I was working at Cinema 5 for this and no one came and saw it. It wasn't a big movie, but we'll, we'll get into that. But it could also be because of Cinema 5. Cinema 5 was also a dying theater, let's be fair. But, like, this movie wasn't bad. It's, it really, I have two daughters, and when I saw this, I thought, like, well, I'm glad that they will have at least some, like, even though I've been trying to show Emily the, the animated Ghostbuster series where Janine becomes a Ghostbuster in it, but, um, you know, it's nice to see female Ghostbusters. And, like I said, I think Ghostbusters Afterlife did it best with, you had two girls and two boys, and they had the diversity, you know, you had an Asian boy, and you had the African uh, girl, and then, you know, you had the Spanglers, and, you know, that that's, didn't it was they, perfect. Didn't it was they bring perfect. in, like, the old, ca- some of the old cast for that, too? They brought in the old characters because it was, like, the passing of the baton. Yeah. And that, I'm not going to lie, the ending was sad. I really liked Afterlife. I thought this was good. That was good. But this one, it, again, it was entertaining. Kate McKinnon does super well. Um, but, like, there was just some things that didn't work. Like, for instance, I didn't like the villain. The villain was, like, just the guy who ends up getting killed and then becomes this, like, terrible ghost. And I don't know. We're going to get into it, though. But this, the what if here is what if the remake was just a little more straightforward of a remake instead of just, like, let's try to rewrite so much of it. But, uh, so I finally decided that our fun facts section is going to be called probably 70% facts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the internet does lie sometimes. The internet lies too much for me to say 100% facts. I, I thought of it when, you know, because 70% of the time it works every time. <laughs> that makes no sense. Um, escalated quickly. But we'll get into the facts here. Um, it's a remake of the 1984 classic, which was the very first episode of this podcast. Um alongside but i did that alongside roger and jason uh this was directed by paul feig it had a script by paul feig and uh katie diplot depold depold i think it's depold uh it was produced by ivan reitman and amy pascal who people will probably know from all the spider-man controversies but we won't get into that right now um this one starred melissa mccarthy Kristen wigg kate mckinnon leslie jones and chris hemsworth and it featured uh, cameos from most of the original cast, except for, of course, uh, Harold Ramis, who had passed away, and also um, Rick Moranis, who had retired from acting at that point. Um, it does have a 73% <coughs> fresh score on Rotten Tomatoes. It is a certified fresh movie in its defense. It does a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, which is actually higher than the Ghostbusters 2 which is uh, 6.6 out of 10. I'm saying the, I'm putting the in front of too many words. And you're not stopping me. I don't know why you do this You're, you're the Ghostbuster, the... But it's not called the. The Ghostbusters. I always say that too. The Ghostbusters? Yeah. The Ghostbusters. 
sounds funny. Anyway, it had a budget of 144 million and it made 229.1 million globally. But that's the issue. That's like on a global scale and that doesn't even cover advertising and stuff like that. So I, in the eyes of Sony, this was dead. And so I'm surprised they even were able to make Afterlife. But like a lot of these companies, Warner Brothers in particular, I feel like there's a lot of people in the higher ups that don't are not in touch with what the crowd wants. No, there was, but here's the thing: the, this movie, you have Paul Feig coming in, who is fresh off of, you know, his movies. Uh, Bridesmaids, The Heat. Um, I don't know if Spy had came out yet, but you know, he was like a dependable director. But the thing is, those are all Melissa McCarthy movies. They're all Melissa McCarthy movies. (laughs) So when you, so exactly, so that was the big thing when people first heard that like Melissa McCarthy or uh, Paul Feig was going to direct this, they instantly were like, oh, God, Melissa McCarthy's going to be a Ghostbuster now. And rest assured, it happened. They announced it with Kristen Wiig, which, again, bridesmaids. Uh, Leslie Jones was announced alongside Kate McKinnon, two SNL stars. And, you know, when you listen, even, like, listening to myself talk now, I'm like, that doesn't sound like a winning pair like i'm sorry it does for ghostbusters like as i don't know what paul feig is thinking now because there is quite like as i'm saying this it's because there are certain it has a certain kind of fan base it it is dominantly male there are women fans of course i'm not going to say that you know it's a boys club but (laughs) every convention i go to it's mostly men with the proton packs I'm seeing. That's all I'm saying. So it, it, the bigger fan base will, and they try to make fun of it in the film. It was in the trailers. I remember that. And they, uh, they tried too hard to like, be like, Oh no, they're so lame. You're going to like us. We're cool. We get it. We hate trolls. And I think that's the reason why I didn't like this film. Probably. I mean, like I said, though, like, I enjoyed aspects of it, and I even, like, I made my, like, self clear, like, I, I thought, I didn't think it was a horrible movie. I thought it was an alright movie. Like, it had funny moments and stuff, and like I said, Kate McKinnon, easily the best thing about the movie, but I was getting threatened because <clears throat> I said I didn't think it was that bad. People take their... I was threatened. People take. Of I course, remember, I didn't give a I, shit. I remember you coming to work some days saying like, "Yeah, like I'm getting death threatening." Me. Yeah, I was getting death threats just because I was like, "It's really not that bad of a movie." Like that's all I'd say. It's not that bad of a movie. Like people were like, "I just think people and how they talk on the internet is just keyboard warriors." The keyboard warriors and whatnot, but it's just like they act like this movie is going to make or break their lives. It's so weird, and, and it's you get, got, that, you get that with everything, like DC and Marvel. Oh, Marvel! Marvel is, Marvel's oh. getting r- ridiculous with their fans, but then I can also say that Zack, some Zack Snyder fans are fucking nuts, and that's why I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna be that guy who's like clearly a Zack Snyder fan because guess what, I I find them annoying too. <laughs> like it's like, oh, I'm just gonna say it, fandoms are stupid as hell. 
They're stupid as hell. And... <laughs> kind of let yourself go there, Brian. I did let myself go there. I did let myself go there. I got, I got a little heated. But we're going to go on now. I just hate fandoms. I think they're stupid. Um, and some of the posters featuring Holtzman on her Proton Pack is the number 2206, which was the same number as Dana Parrott's apartment in the original Ghostbusters. Um... In the end credits, a special thanks is given to Green uh, Ghostbusters super fan uh, Ryan E. Kemp. Um, Kemp had met Paul Feig on a couple occasions, and I met him at this convention I go to called Horror Hound, and um, he was a super nice guy. I um, and uh, he passed away in October twenty fifteen. Though, but uh, I met him at one of my very first conventions I went to, but he was a super nice guy. Um, the when the first when we first see them testing the proton pack in the film, um, when the pack fails, it makes the exact same noise as the Millennium Fight, uh, Millennium Falcon's hyperdrive failing in Star Wars Episode Five. Um, when it opened, it opened in Hong Kong, but not. Op- but it did not open wider across China due to the country's aversion to ghost-centric material. Do they have they s- take their ghosts seriously over there, man. Yeah. You have to. You have to. I don't blame them, though, man. I get, like, I, I've made it clear I think ghosts are real. I, I do. They freak me out. But, you know, it's, it is what it's it like is. It's like the cinema's haunted. Dude, the cinema is totally haunted. Um, but, uh... Yeah, I can see why some people would be... I don't know. I feel like censorships are kind of... We're not going to get into it. <laughs> uh, Holtzman's hairstyle and glasses were uh, were resembled to counterpart Egon from the Ghostbusters cartoon series. And that's probably also why I think Holtzman is also the best character is because Egon's my favorite character in general. Um in an interview with the website Den of Geek, Paul Feig revealed that the first cut of the movie was four hours and 15 minutes long. Don't know what the hell he was filming. Uh, <laughs> Holtzman calls Pringle po- potato chips salty parable, parable, uh, parables. The shape of a Pringle's potato chip is really a hyperbolic parabolid or a saddle surface. Oh my god, I don't know why I wrote this. I can't say it. Um, Essentially, Pringles look like that shape, Cody, if you did not know. Um, Holtzman wears a necklace with the letter U with a screw in it. So it's like, screw you, which has been made by a lot of fans and then resold. Um, The film exists in a separate canon from the Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2, and Ghostbusters Afterlife timeline. But... There are IDW comic books in which the characters do meet. Um, so, multiverse comics. My thing was, wouldn't there be more Ghostbusters out there just than the ones we're focusing on? Just like, you know, like not just in New York. Well, that's what I liked about Afterlife was they were in Iowa or were 
Was it Iowa? It would, I mean, I would assume so with that poster that we got. Yeah, I'm assuming Iowa. Um, they're out in the country, so like that was the very first taste. But then I guess the newest one, the sequel coming out, is called Ghostbusters Firehouse. So I don't know what's going to happen next, but I, wonder, I am excited to I see it. I wonder if Bill Murray's going to be in it. Uh, <laughs> that, he already passed the torch. I don't think... I think Ernie Hudson will be in it. Maybe. Maybe Dan Aykroyd. Because I know there's an after credit scene with Afterlife where it sets up that kind of idea for the sequel. Well, shoot, how old is Bill Murray? Bill Murray's like 70-something, man. Um, it, the film was released in 2016 in Ghostbusters 2, a woman claiming 72. to be... He's 72, told you. A woman claiming to be a psychic claims the world will end on Valentine's Day in the year 2016. So it was a little weird that they were released at that point. Um, first Ghostbusters film to introduce another ghost of Slimer's kind, a love interest called Lady Slimer. The role is played by Robin Shelby, who played Slimer in Ghostbusters 2. She's a super nice lady. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, she was so nice to me and my brother. Um, and, like, she even, like, worried about us getting home because there was, like, a bad storm coming that night. And she was like, well, you guys have a good night and drive safely. She was so sweet. Um, the only Ghostbuster I've met is Ernie Hudson, by the way. That's Never met, met Bill, Bill Murray? I haven't. Well, she, if I would have went and tried to scalp a ticket that night at the fucking Cubs game when they for the World Series, I would have met and sat next to Bill Murray. I guarantee it. Because he gave that ticket away, man. That could have been me. But then again, he's kind of creepy from what I hear recently, so we won't get into that. Uh, <laughs> in the after credit scene, Patty Tolan is running through a tape player, checking for ghostly phenomenon. Suddenly, she looks up from the machine and says she thinks she got something to the rest of the team. When they all look, she asks, what's Zul? They all shrug in confusion. Zul is, the, is one of the primary evil spirits from the original Ghostbusters. Which makes me wonder if they were setting up a sequel, how different would have Zul been? Because Zul is not a man nor woman. In fact, wait. Zul is the key master. No, Zul is the gatekeeper. While Gozer is the destroyer. Gozer the destroyer. While the key master... Well, you know what? We're, I'm not going to think too hard on this. Because you know what? We have to get into the multiversal casting, Cody. Now, as before, I said Paul Feig, not going to direct this. The new director of this will be Ruben Fisher. You might remember directed Zombieland. And the, He's the gatekeeper. Who? Zool. Yeah, I know. But I'm confused on why Zool would be mentioned in the recording. It's me being a nerd. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um but uh Ruben Fisher, the director of Zombieland, he's gonna be the director of this. I tried to think of another comedic director, but I wanted Do you think it'll be more gory? Well, that was the thing is, if this version is rated PG-13 or R, if it's rated R, I want deaths, especially with the side plot of this movie, because 
I'm going kind of the route of what I came up with if Eddie Murphy had starred in this. But I'm adding a few more twists because of the casting. So the new cast for this, because we're not going the all-female route. We're going for more straightforward. But there's going to be little twists along the way with these characters. Um, for Dr. Peter Venkman, I, I chose Seth Rogen. Now, a lot of re the reason for this casting is back a few years ago, there was like this charity th event where the people I'm about to mention all did a table reading of the original Ghostbusters script. And Seth Rogen, along with the next couple names, were people that read for these parts. The only person who I'm going to mention wasn't at the table reading, and that's who I chose for Winston Zeddemore. But uh, Dr. Ray Stans is Jack Black which I love that idea. And then Dr. Egon Spangler would be Bill Hader, which I think is great. I think he could do awkward humor. I think he could play the straight guy really well, but also like the funny straight guy kind of thing. Um, and for Winston Zeddemore, I chose Donald Glover. Um, and for Janine, I chose Emma Stone. For Louis Tully, I chose Michael Sarah, And then for Dana Barrett, I chose Anne Hathaway. Now, Michael Sarah's a weird choice, but I, I feel bad because I think Michael Sarah's a better actor than people realize. Like, I he did this show, and I think it was on Hulu, with Amy Schumer, and he was really good in it. He plays this guy who clearly, um, I think he, well, not, I shouldn't say clearly, but I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be autistic with how he is, and, um, but he does really well in it, and I just feel like being this awkward neighbor who has a crush on uh Anne Hathaway's Dana Barrett would be right up Michael Sarah's alley of like, <laughs> oh okay, well, you know, we're gonna be playing Parcheesi if you just wanna come on over. Hey guys, the door's locked. Could you, could you, could you look oh damn it. <laughs> it's like that would that'd be Michael Sarah in a nutshell. Um but uh obviously we would have to have the original cast cameo, but I don't want it to be as annoying of cameos, like super. What if you brought Seth Rogen's like little gang as cameos? Well, they're definitely gonna be like. There's gonna be people that I'm gonna mention, like little characters that are supposed to pop up that I didn't cast, and I'm. I was thinking like maybe you can help me because I don't know how. When's the last time you watched the original Ghostbusters? It's been years. <sighs> but you you'll get the idea of like what I'm going well, for. But I do have like. The original cast cameos, I was thinking Dan Aykroyd could be the mayor. Yeah. He would be, like, the only one who I would be okay with having, like, a really long, like, cameo. Bill Murray, I would want him to be, like, some skeptic on TV. Um, Ernie Hudson, I want him to be a police officer. I want Annie Potts to be some front desk employee somewhere. Probably for the hotel or the library scene. And Sigourney Weaver, she's going to be a TV news anchor that pops on TV. So, do you think Jonah Hill? I think I have an idea for Jonah Hill. There's a character in here that I, I'm i going to talk to you about because I didn't cast now, him. I feel like the next person I'm going to say is blacklisted in, right now in the acting world. For, I I don't pay attention enough to their personal problems. <laughs> is it but, is it not? Please not Army Hammer. No, <laughs> it's uh James Franco. 
I don't pay attention. I know he was in that Johnny Depp trial. Well, thing. we gotta. We also have to think. He does twenty sixteen, because as much as we can, we have the knowledge we have now. We don't have that knowledge back then, kind of thing. Maybe we did. I can't remember twenty sixteen well, but I feel like James Franco was still like, wasn't he Pineapple was in- Express around this time? Uh, I I can't think of or was. When 127 Hours, because he got nominated for an Oscar around that point, and I feel like after that point was when things were brought more into the light about him. But, uh, like I said, you're going to hear some, because he might actually be better than where Jonah I was thinking of. Um, No, Pineapple Express was like 2014, wasn't it? No, the interview was 2014. Oh, damn. Why him was 2016, the Disaster Artist was 17. Disaster Artist is actually a really good movie. Pineapple Express was 2008. Damn. Damn. <laughs> like, damn. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, God. And they never gave us a second one. I always wanted a, second, a sequel to it, but... A sequel to what? Pineapple Express. But they only really gave us one in This Is The End. And it was kind of them just joking around with it in the movie. That's true. Um, his latest movie was, I think, the Ballad of Buster. Oh, the Ballad of Buster Skaggs. That's an okay movie. I'm just, I don't know. I feel they have, like they have Spiderway, Spider-Man: No Way Home is listed under his roles. No Way Home. Alien Covenant. To 2017. What the? F- oh, he is an alien covenant. I think. I haven't watched that movie in a long time. I think he's like. I won't get into it because I don't want to give spoilers future, to that. Future world. But anyway, let's get back into this because this is going to be the long part, Cody. So buckle in. This is what this new movie becomes because because we're changing the director. For shit's sakes, let's say it's rated R. Let's say we got a fucking Ghostbusters that's rated R. This is the rundown I have written here. Similar to my rewrite of the original Ghostbusters, I want this to have the spirit of the original film, but I think the focus should be more with Winston than the time given in the original. Because I guess in the original Ghostbusters, when... Ernie Hudson first got the script. There was like a long backstory and everything to Winston, and they cut most of it out. Like, he really got his part uh, butchered to pretty much make room for Bill Murray. And so, uh, there's some things I added in here that are from that original one, but I didn't add everything. Like, there's not going to be another love interest for him. Because his motivation's going to be a little different for things. But um, I was thinking the opening scene would be set in 1989, which is the year the second Ghostbusters came out. We're going to see a young Winston, but, you know, the audience won't know this is a young Winston. This is just like a little boy. And he's up late watching TV. We see a man asleep on the couch in the background. And um, I thought maybe having Winston... Like, uh, Ernie Hudson has a cameo there, but I thought, like, no, because then everybody will know it's Winston that we're seeing watching TV, even though he's going to have, like, because 
I, I kind of want it to be unknown that it's 1989, except for a few little clues. I don't know. I I haven't thought this out. This isn't written anywhere in, you know, my blood or anything. But, uh, but you know, we see him watching TV. We see a man asleep in the background. You know, sleep, as I said. Um, we see Winston flipping through the TV, and we see a quick news report. And this is where we insert the Scorny Weaver cameo right away. She's a news anchor, 1989 or whatever. Well, actually, we're, it's going to be quite obvious it's 1989, so we don't have to hide that. <laughs> but she's going to be pretty much talking about weird activity being reported around the city to indicate that there's something strange in the neighborhood. I wonder who they're going to call. And as he continues to flip through, because, you know, he's a little kid, he doesn't want to watch the news, as he continues to flip through the channels, we see this blue light emanating through his uh, a door at the end of the hallway. And this makes him get up, turn around, and he looks about to go get his dad, and then all of a sudden all of his toys that can, like, move with wheels start all just going to that bedroom. And... The boy decides to follow his toys there, and as he's getting closer, the door starts opening, the light starts on the boy, we hear, like, growling, and the boy screams, and we hear the rah, and, and we see wind blowing the kid's clothes, because for some weird reason, every time there's a Ghostbusters opening, that seems to happen with a ghost, and, yeah, essentially, we don't see what the kid, little kid sees, it just goes into the Ghostbusters logo, and um, but yeah, wow, I went really quick there in the beginning. I, <laughs> I skipped through some of my notes. Um, but after that point, you know, we get the Ghostbusters logo, whatnot. We're now back in, I'm going to say it's 2016, but I feel like there was an idea. I feel like I remember hearing there, an idea of Ruben Fisher taking over as the director for Ghostbusters around this time after Zombieland, because he had that very obvious Ghostbusters cameo scene in that movie. And so, um, we're in 2016 now, we're at Columbia University, and we're going to see a lecture being taught by Egon Spengler, who's played by Bill Hader, as a friendly reminder. Um, and he's talking about the idea of the multiverse, because, you know, this is a multiversal show, so everything's the multiverse. And, but he's talking about how there's some energy so strong that if brought together, it can be used to create uh, pretty much these rips and the dimensions of these universes, pretty much these doorways between worlds. And so um, we see a young man, man hand, uh, a young man's hand shoot up, and he says. Do you think these doorways could bring ghosts or other spirits? And we, you know, the camera zooms around and we see that it's uh, Winston, you know, adult Winston played by Donald Glover. And Egon just says something in the idea of like, perhaps, but with all science, we need proof. And then so, you know, after that little scene, because it's supposed to be weird, but we're getting the idea that, you know, this is where you're supposed to kind of say, like, was that little boy this guy now? Which I guess you could probably just assume. It's not It's not really much of a twist. I didn't really think this out. 
Uh, <laughs> but, um, so essentially, Donald Glover's character is waiting outside for Egon out of the classroom, and Egon pretty much calls him out as saying that, like, you're not one of my students, you're not supposed to really be in there, and Donald Glover just keeps asking about ghosts and stuff, and it's kind of weirding, weird, weirding out, you know, Egon, and he tells him, you really shouldn't be here, you need to leave, or I will report you, and, um, at that moment, we get, like, Ray, like, running down the hallway, trying to find Egon, saying, we need to find Venkman, we need it, we need him right away, and I was thinking, like, for this, we're gonna see Peter now teaching a class, because I thought about him redoing the whole, like, electric shock little mind reader thing, but I thought would be an interesting twist would be, like, if Peter Venkman actually has somewhat of a decent moral compass instead of being this really sleazy guy who hits on his students. But, like, maybe, like, the one student, there's a student who's, like, purposely trying to get his attention kind of thing, you know, the hot-for-teacher student. And I thought it'd be kind of interesting to see, like, Seth Rogen's reaction as Venkman being hit on because he's trying to talk to the student about this paper that she wrote, and she's, like... I was thinking, like, we could probably have, like, someone older in the sense here for this character. Someone funny. And if it was around 2016, this person would be on, like, they could have been an older person. Or maybe, like, I don't know. If we go a younger-ish student, we could go with Allison Brie from Community and stuff like that. I think she'd be good for that. Or even, like... I don't know how Aubrey Plaza would be at that point in time. But someone like that. Just someone younger, but not terribly young. Because I don't want it to be creepy. And especially, like, I just want it to be... I Actually, you know what? Let's, like, make the part, like, maybe, like, a mother or someone. Like, someone kind of older. Like, let's get Catherine Hahn in there. Yeah. Let's put Catherine Hahn in this role. And she's, like, hitting on Bankman and stuff. But then, like, uh, Ray comes in saying, like, we need... You need to be me and uh, Egon in the basement right now. Or you need to come with me right now. We need to go. And, like, uh, pretty much Peter getting, like, torn away from the student finally. And he's like, look, just rewrite the fucking paper. Turn it in next Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the reason why we're going to see Egon and stuff, like, acting weird about being asked about ghosts because traditionally his character would probably be like really engaged about ghosts is that it's going to be revealed. They've been building like all their ghost catching stuff in the basement of this university for like years. And they have all this actual proof and data they've been collecting. So for this scene, it would be the New York library scene and it would be, we're going into the library it kind of plays out the same. The librarian that got attacked by the ghost or freaked out by the ghost would be played by um, Annie Potts, who was the original Janine. Um, we get kind of something similar here that happened. Uh, all happening in the New York Public Library, of course, just like the original. Uh, we, You know, that scene plays out, and... Um, Essentially, they come up with the idea to, like, start a business now. Like, okay, we... Well, no, no. Sorry. Fuck. I forgot a part. 
Uh, they go back to the university. They're talking about all their findings that they just got from the library, and uh, they get fired because they're gonna. It's gonna be found out that like, you know, they've been pretty much using university money for their little experiments. Uh, then you know, Peter comes up with the idea for the thing, and I was thinking that like, we could be a little far further ahead in their process. Like they already got the car and the garage and stuff like that and then like i was thinking ray could be outside putting up the ghostbuster sign and winston could be just like driving down the street or something and see that sign and be like what's this all about because obviously his character is going to be continually trying to figure out what he saw when he was a little kid that's going to be his motivation and obviously he's not a scientist so Throughout the movie, things are going to be explained to him. But I was thinking, like, with Bill Hader as Egon, like, so, okay, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. <laughs> um, the reason, okay, Peter's going to come up with the idea for the business. And the reason why, how they find the firehouse is I was thinking Ray's occult books could be, like, a thing that he actually owns already in this one. And it's, like, maybe, like, his family's bookstore and he just, like, renamed it or some shit like that. And he lives in the apartment upstairs and he tells them about uh, the firehouse down the street that's been, you know, out of commission for forever how long. Um, and obviously he would have to, you know, there's the whole mortgage thing. And so he's going to have to put a mortgage on his business, the raised gold books, to get the firehouse. Um but as they're setting it up, you know, Janine's going to be there getting interviewed. I was thinking, like, Emma Stone and Seth Rogen, who essentially is like having Emma Stone and Jonah Hill face-to-face. -face, and I thought they could have a fun little interview scene. Um, and during that time, Winston comes up, asks about, like, what do you guys do here? You know, like, what's with the ghost stuff? And then uh, he could be brought in as, like, we're intercutting, like, little clips of the interview and stuff like that and them getting hired. Um, but, like, obviously, Egon and Winston will run into each other again and Egon's going to be super suspicious because he's going to believe that um, these are people trying to, like, figure out what they're doing, trying to steal their data and stuff like that, trying to steal their business, essentially. Um, and he... This is where the scene where... As an audience, we're going to be fully told that, like, he was the little boy in the beginning and he remembers seeing this, this spirit, this thing coming from his room when he was little and his parents never believed him and stuff like that. And after that night, it never happened again for the longest time and now it's happening again. Um, and so I was thinking, like, that could be, like, a point of them realizing, like, okay, this guy has a connection to Ghost, we need help, let's hire him. But, like, he pretty much gets thrust into it because, um, wait, hold on. Lost my spot again. Crap! Uh, okay, sorry. Um, but yeah, he, <laughs> he tells them about their ghost story, and they say, alright, kid, let's hire him. Um, so... 
Then we're going to cut and we're going to meet Dana Barrett and Louis Tolley, who again, Anne Hathaway, Michael Sarah, And all their scenes are going to pretty much play out pretty similar to how the originals scenes played out. But, um, but we're going to see her first run in with Zool, which will be very similar to when she opens up the fridge and there's just that beast in there and it just like whips its head around opens its mouth giant flashlight and goes um and then she's gonna go find the ghostbusters and that's when she's gonna meet venkman who i want seth rogan's venkman to be i don't want him to play it like bill murray but i want it to play like if seth rogan was very confident in himself if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be the best way to go about it. And um, they would have pretty much very similar uh, exchange of things in the apartment. But um, I want him to be almost more bumbly around her. Like he knows. Like he makes it a little too obvious that he's into her. But it, it kind of like he thinks he's being smooth. But it's not really. Um and then I want there to be scenes with Egon and Janine because in the original one, they always kind of had this flirty relationship. And I want Egon to be teaching her about like the proton pack and stuff like that. And later on in the movie, I thought it'd be funny to find out like that's just Egon's way of flirting is to teach sh nerdy shit to her. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and then from that point, we're going to get the hotel scene, which... I want it would play out similar. They're still gonna catch Slimer and stuff like that, but I was a really big fan of the video game, and since Winston kind of has a bigger scene and he's in this scene, because he really in reality doesn't get hired on until way later after this point. But um, I was thinking it'd be cool to interact like there's like a fisherman ghost happening there. I feel like he could have a quick run in with that ghost and spirit because. There's obviously going to be this thing where um, in Egon's class, we talked about the multiverse and ripping holes of doorways. There's Winston in the very beginning with his doorway. We're going to hear a lot about doorways, and I want that to be the reason why so many different spirits and ghosts are getting into the world. And it's going to lead into the big climax, which will be a little bit different. Um, but we're going to have that similar scene. And after they catch Slimer and they're they're about to exit the thing, we're going to see, like, one of the hallway doors has that glowing blue light behind it. Just to kind of, like, okay, people, we hope you get it. Um, but, of course, he goes, um, goes outside, does his, like, ladies and gentlemen, we are the few, the proud, the Ghostbusters, or something like that. You know, what, however Seth Rogen wants to do it. Um, and well, that's where he's a producer of the boys. Why doesn't he do like something like how they do Ham Homelander? You know, like what? Seth <laughs> Rogen's a producer of the boys. Yeah, yeah, I know. But, but like, what are you talking when, about? When you're talking about like when he walks out and we're the few, the proud, the Ghostbusters. Why don't they do like how they have Homelander on the stage and they introduce him and it's more of a. Well, they, people don't know that they're like who they are yet. Like this is the that's this this is like that big scene where like 
okay, the Ghostbusters mean business. Because then we get that little quick little like, oh, look, they're running around New York catching ghosts and stuff like that. Um, but I wouldn't want like such a big one. I feel like there's too many montages, in fact, in that movie. You get you okay? You adjusted? <laughs> um, and obviously, we're going to have it to where we're going to get to where Lewis and Dana both become possessed by the key master and the gatekeeper uh, in their house, which, again, um, Dana's we're going to keep pretty, like, the same because she actually gets pulled into a glowing door which would go perfect with the the theme of the uh the multiverse and the dimension holes or whatever um but lewis his is going to be somewhat similar because i want him to still be found on the streets um but i want it to be like he was out and about and just like the wrong place wrong time and he thinks you know like i want him to think it's a dog again because i think like the whole dog thing uh, aspect of it's funny um but again like there's gonna be a lot of beats that are very similar yeah i'm watching the time no i thought that little dot in the middle was a piece of the couch oh it's an eye oh what is oh it's a little little like hey there (laughs) hey there oh (laughs) but um we got to have the Armageddon scene, like the whole like speech that they have in the, in the, I don't know what they're doing. I guess they're just driving around or something, but they talk about Bible verses and it always freaked me out because they're talking about like the reason why that essentially they've been busy so much is that hell has become too full and the dead are rising now. And so Armageddon's essentially coming. But it's always been like a really freaky scene to me. And it always gave me the chills. But I thought that would be cool. Um, obviously, we're going to have the Dana Zul scene. Um, now, is he like the the villain above all villains? Zul? Yeah. No, Zul is only... Zul is the gatekeeper. And uh, Vince Clortho is the gatekeep. Wait. No, he is the key master. She is the gatekeeper. Okay. I it, I have to, like, really think about it sometimes. <laughs> um, but Janine gets a phone call from Zul, who is Dana, and she's really confused by it. She tells um, Peter about it, and um, so... Oh, man, I forgot to mention something. Okay. Essentially, though, just know... Zul and uh, Vince Clortho are possessing Michael Sarah and Anne Hathaway's Dana Barrett and Louis Tully. But in this scuffle of things, I forgot to mention Walter Peck. Walter Peck is an asshole in the movies who is trying to close the Ghostbusters down because he's inver- he's like this environmentalist safety guy. And he essentially causes the big issue at the end. And I feel like Jonah Hill would be a really good... Because he's supposed to be an asshole, essentially. And I feel like Jonah Hill in that role would be like, oh, God, it's so funny, it's Jonah Hill. But, like, man, what an asshole. Oh, he was possessed in This Is The End, so... Oh, uh, am I am I possessed, Cody? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, not, it's not working. It's not working. Or is, it, is it compelling me? 
But uh, it's not that compelling. <laughs> it's not that compelling. But anyway, now that we know of Walter Peck, who's he keeps coming around the Ghostbusters because he he comes in at some point. Because um, obviously a lot of the stuff is going to be similar to what happened in the original, but I wanted to still add different things, like um, when Venkman leaves Dana's place after he visits her as Zul, and I think he gives her a sedative or something like that. We're gonna see the glowing light from a door again, um, but. And obviously Vince Clortho is being interviewed by Egon and Janine. Forgot to mention that. And also uh, Ray and Winston are back there. And so Walter Peck, the, it's his big scene. Like the big scene I knew I didn't forget to put. But um, he's coming there with like a police officer and stuff to shut down their grid. Which is uh, a nuclear grid because they need such power to hold all this ghost they've caught. And, um, pretty much when they are, uh, coming in there, this is when we're going to get our Ernie Hudson cameo as a police officer, because he's going to be the one who turns it down. But everyone's going to be pretty much telling this police officer that, or telling Walter Peck and this police officer, like, shutting down this reactor could mean bad things. And to quote the original, like, uh, think of a Twinkie that's 50 times its size and weight and that's a big twinkie but uh as he's shutting it down like there's gonna be a scene where it gets all slow-mo and we're gonna see winston hear a noise and we're gonna see a glowing light from a door again and you Winston, and this is gonna be the spirit that he remembers seeing when he was a kid who will have a bigger part here shortly so we get the walter peck scene turns off the grid Ghosts are free. They're flying around. They're all going to the the center of the city, and um, but they're getting arrested because Walter Peck is saying they've uh, they've broken all these environmental laws and stuff like that. So um, after they turn it off, um, we start seeing kind of more rips happening as I like to call it. These like doorways opening. Um, and we're seeing all these ghosts coming back. We're seeing Slimer back. We're seeing all these other ones. Uh, we can even have like sillier ghosts in this. Like, uh, I don't know. They had the Titanic. Like maybe we could have another Titanic one or I don't know. You got to kind of be careful in this day and age with some of the ghosts you choose. I also kind of just like the animated goofy ghosts. Um, but they're taken off to jail, and Lewis actually goes through that door that we heard Winston's name being spoke out of. Um, and it, when they're in the jail, they're going to be fighting with each other for a while because they want out, obviously. And um, this is where we're going to find out that Egon also had a run-in with this same uh, spirit that uh, Winston has talked to them about now and that's when we find out that it's from and I I drew this from inspiration from the animated series I don't think the character has to look like it or it'd look crazy but this is where we find out about the boogeyman hmm. but so as we're being introduced to the boogeyman and like getting the story of Egon with the boogeyman we're going to pretty much have Dan Aykroyd's uh, character 
and essentially they have to explain it to him as this is something whatever's happening is something bigger than the ghost of your aunt's third husband um essentially they start explaining gozer to him which um i forgot to mention vince like tells the story of gozer and explains like the key master the gatekeeper and all that stuff to him and how you know it would make sense to me if like there's all these symbolic things of doors with the gatekeeper and the key master like why wouldn't there be more like rips in dimension opening up these gateways of these awful beings so this is where excuse me wow that hurt <laughs> i felt that in the couch i felt it everywhere like i felt it in my <laughs> ankles man that was weird uh. <laughs> but uh anyway um this is where i really wanted the r rating because i want a malignant type moment here so they're talking about the boogeyman. They're explaining Gozer and how, like, boogeyman is pretty much a conduit for Gozer to use to spread fear and destruction on Earth. And so they keep saying the boogeyman. And finally, like, we're go- we see, like, the janitor's closet, like, next to him. And it starts glowing. And all of a sudden, um, we see now that both Egon and Winston have this slow-mo motion. And they both hear their name with the, the raspy of Egon. Winston and uh he opens up the door and essentially like all the lights turn out when that door opens and it, I was thinking like the creature could be like the boogeyman can look almost do you remember the movie Osmosis Jones by any chance remember the flu thing that came in I want him to look like that except not you know with dreads i think he had dreads or something i want like but i like the hook hand aspect of it not so much freddy krueger but like this is his natural formality but i want his face to be almost shapeless as if it you couldn't tell what or what it is or what it was but like maybe its mouth was a very distinctive feature because i remember in the cartoon the boogeyman is this creature with a very big head. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I figured if it has like a creepy mouth but like no other really defining features, I thought that would be creepy and like it has like this hook hand. And he pretty much comes in there because the boogeyman's primal thing is to ch- eat off fear of children. And so I was thinking that like maybe Winston's is just one he really remembers. Like, maybe we can show, like, a flashback of, like, him running away to his father and, like, he never feasted off Winston and that's why he's so... And then Egon being such an odd character because, again, with Egon, he, like, uh, Harold Ramis chose to, like, never have him smile in the first film. So it's like, okay, he's supposed to be very deadpan. I feel like Bill Hader would be very good with that. But, um... So... The boogeyman's, like, going crazy and stuff like that, and they're thinking, like, everyone's pretty much getting killed. Like, he's feeding off their fear, which, like, I was thinking, like, something cool with their fear could be, like, this glowing light that comes from him that he just sucks into him. And, like, maybe, like, I don't know, maybe, like, he wears a hood and it's just, like, a very dark thing and you can only see a mouth, maybe. Something creepy. I want the creepy factor to be up a little bit in my 2016 Ghostbusters um and then uh 
as he's like about to kill the mayor essentially i want that's where egon stands up and tries to be brave because you know if you show no fear to the boogeyman he has no reason to kill you because he wants he wants your fear he wants to eat that part of you it sounds like it shit <laughs> damn it <laughs> anyway he's still I just fuck it the whole Mm, beautiful or tasty, but, tasty fear. But it, he's not going to be belittled and <laughs> the shrink into a raisin. But uh, <laughs> but uh, so we have that happening, and Egon stands up. But then, like Winston, now has his brave moment. Instead of running away, he stands up and like distracts him because he's about to go now. Egon first stands up, and Boogeyman's about to get that. But I was thinking like. Winston could go as far as like throwing a chair at the boogeyman and since the boogeyman he's like this weird force like when it hits him it just bursts into smoke or some shit and then uh and then you like turn around he turns around and we just see that smile and he just Winston like he just that's how he tries to get under his bones but he's uh but um so as they're like standing up to the boogeyman essentially I was thinking that, like, in the background, we start hearing, like, the very distinctive wail of the Ecto-1 coming around the corner or something. And as, like, Winston's about to, like, being taken down by the Boogeyman, I was thinking it'd be cool if, on the other side of things, that Janine comes popping in with a proton pack and a suit on and starts like blasting the boogeyman trying to get him down but obviously since the boogeyman's going to be stronger than a normal ghost one proton pack won't do it but she only has one at that moment because the, they're weigh like 500 tons or some shit like that um and then uh uh but the boogeyman gets away goes back through the doorway and then essentially that's when, like, they all have a pretty much understanding of, like, what has to happen next. Because, obviously, this has become huge. And they see that the clouds are going black. Mayor looks outside and pretty much uh, jokingly goes, like, um, all right, I'm ready to believe you. Because, you know, we're ready to believe you. And so um, we're now to the scene where they're going through the city uh, team of five, not four now, because uh, Janine's now honorary Ghostbuster. Um, and they go to the hotel or the, the building, whatever, and they go in there and they think they're about to have to use the stairs. And then all of a sudden the elevator bings and like an old lady with like a schnauzer or something comes out, just walks by and says, weird things are happening up there, I believe. <laughs> and then, uh, they get on there, they go up as hard, high as they can, but I was thinking, like, it could be, like, a funny moment of all of them on the elevator get together, and they're just kind of having this, like, last minute, like, man, I love you guys. <laughs> and they're just like, no, man, I really love you. Just, like, all, what you know, whatever humorous parts they can add into it. And then the whole time, I want Egon to just be, like, straight-faced, not even, like, reacting to them, you know, just like he doesn't care what happens next even though janine's right there and she's like saying how much she means to him he just says something like ditto or something like that just something very deadpan um so they get uh, as far as they can which is essentially it stops on the floor of dana and lewis's uh apartment and uh 
they go through and instead of like the floor being there it's essentially like the gozer area from the original like the throne the doorway and stuff like that and gozer can still look the same because it works in afterlife so it can work here um and instead of like just stay puff and them having this awkward talking back and forth with gozer i was thinking like gozer could just essentially tell them that they them they are chosen to be the tr the first sacrifices to the world that gozer is wanting to rebuild on earth and um one fit for only gods essentially gods and their servants and so uh, you see all these lights, all the lights that were, like, going out of the containment unit are now coming back out of that giant doorway, and as they're coming out, they're creating, like, these little rips, and so all these spirits are coming out, along with, like, the boogeyman and stuff like that, but, like, all these other weird ones, and so, essentially, like, Gozer says something of, like, do like now kneel and accept your fate and you know one of them says nah i don't think we're gonna listen to this bitch or something like that and so they start going after they're trying to like get as many of the ghosts like shoved back into their holes and trying to create this like uh pretty much reverse interdimensional tear and so um you know, funny things could be happening here, I guess, but I just wanted, like, a more action-packed, more, like, how the video games scenes were, where they're, like, smashing the ghost and stuff like that, and so, um, I want there to be a point, though, where, like, the doorways are just not closing quick enough, and more and more ghosts are coming in, and the boogeyman's gonna, like, play his part in trying to, like, keep them from closing the gate, which they have to, you know, cross the streams, and Gozer essentially does its thing and does the whole like ch time to choose your first destroyer which Ray uh, accidentally brings up Stay Puff in his mind and camping trips with his uncle and whatnot um, and uh, from this point uh, they decide like oh right things are getting out of hand there's too many ghosts we could probably even see like get shots of like people getting like essentially attacked by all these ghosts maybe even some deaths who knows if it's rated r why not and uh they decide to cross the streams and when doing so they decide to do it when boogeyman is like in front of them and he's trying to like essentially get one mat last time at winston but winston's ready for him and he gets him and then they all start like shooting him at the same time and then they like bring their streams together and they shoot it at the doorway and we essentially get the end of ghostbusters um the original ghostbusters but you know they're getting celebrated and stuff and i figured like as the credits are rolling and we're seeing the celebration we could like stop at the mid credits and there could be like this thing where they're all just playing poker and it could be just like this gen genuinely like people left and right just like going off of each other like joking around making these jokes um and i want the final thing to be is like they all kind of stop and pause because the phone starts ringing and we show the phone and we see it get picked up it goes black and we just hear emma stone go ghostbusters what do you want and then End credits.
And that'd be it. That'd be a Ruben Fisher R-rated Ghostbusters. If it, if they decided to go that route when they chose to remake it instead of Paul Feig's version of the all-female cast. Which would be better? This one. This one would be a lot better. Uh, <laughs> how much so? I don't know. Like, a lot of the stuff, like I said, it was just, like, kind of, you know, would Jonah Hill be a really good... Uh, or even uh, Ryan Reynolds. Ryan, oh, God, Ryan Reynolds as... as um, Wow, I can't remember the the dude's name. But, yeah, Ryan Reynolds would be good in this role, in this movie. Um, I don't know if he'd be a good Ghostbuster, though. I feel like he'd have to be one of those guys. Um, Oh, I forgot to mention, like, um, during, like, the montage scene with, like, the ghosts, I think that would be, like, an interesting point to add the Bill Murray cameo as a skeptic. Like, him just, like, just one of their little, like, flash interviews of, like, listen, these guys are total wackos. This is all just some illusion that they've started. Just stuff like that. Um, I don't... Who would you... If you could recast this movie... Man, female, whatever, doesn't matter race, doesn't matter anything like that. Like, who would you have wanted in this in this role, in this scene? Because I only chose my cast mainly because of who they were at the time. I think Seth Rogen and Anne Hathaway would be an interesting combo as Dana and uh, Peter. But I also feel like you could also put in any one that he is like uh rose Byrne from neighbors like she would be a great dana in that scene like she gives off very sigourney weaver-esque vibes i think and then uh who else has he acted alongside with he's been with a lot of people i feel like but at the same time it's he always ends up with uh james franco it seems like mm-hmm. let's be progressive dana is now dan <laughs> just uh, just kidding james franco's brother Oh, Dave Franco would be like a good uh, mayor's assistant. Yeah. I could see him as the mayor's assistant well, even, who... Uh, well... Zach Efron? <sighs> Zach Efron would be better suited as an anchor. Like, maybe an anchor on TV. Or how... You know what? He would be a really funny ghost moment, I think. As, like, a ghost who is, like he died at a powerlifting accident or something like that or like uh you're gonna go that route the rock might as well be in it the rock no (laughs) we don't have to go that route we don't have to go that low into what we think he's bound to be in every movie eventually in every movie eventually yes but uh yeah um this was hard i don't he could be acting now tom brady doesn't need to act man he's he's set (laughs) for life he's okay um but Dude, this is probably going to be like the. This was probably the hardest movie we'll do through this month, because, holy shit, that was hard to like. I I just finished writing what I think could happen if these were the cast. Obviously, there'd be a lot of improvising because the original script was improvised. So, but I would totally. I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of like, scary, more scary ghosts. Like let's let's push the R rating because. R-rated comedies work. If you put Mark Wahlberg in this, you're going to have to make it R-rated. Why would you put Mark Wahlberg in this? Mark Wahlberg is not a Ghostbuster. <laughs> and I will die on that hill. Mark Wahlberg is yeah, not a Ghostbuster. Boston accent cussing. This is a New York movie. He doesn't want to be in this. <laughs> <laughs> 
Boo. I, did I scare about, you? Uh, the dude, uh, Christian Hadenson. <laughs> Christian <laughs> he, I I feel like the Ghostbusters have to be somewhat younger. Because to he go on... Sure. He does not look that good. Dude, the years have been rough on well, that I'm guy. I'm going off of... Uh, what was the movie he was in? Takers? Takers? I knew you were going to bring up Takers. I don't know why. You have a thing for Takers. I don't know what it is, but every... There's... <laughs> I feel like we ne- rarely have a conversation where Takers isn't brought up <laughs> at some point. <laughs> if it's Paul Walker, guess what we're talking about? Takers. <laughs> Not Fast... Dude, Vin Diesel shared this thing, and it, I thought it was a trailer for Fast X, but it was the trailer, I think, for the for Fast and Furious, the fourth one. I think it's just called Fast and Furious. But I was just kind of like, are you trying to play off the sympathy of Paul, man? Like... I kind of worry he does that because yeah, that'd in, be messed up. They're bringing him back in for the last. Is this the last one? Yo, it's all about familia. I'm pretty sure he's gonna be in this one. Paul Walker. He can't. <laughs> well, they're gonna take his brother and put his face on his brother's face. You know, his younger brother looks a lot like him. The one that was in. The well, end. they were both used. Yeah. Because I guess like the oldest brother is t- as tall. Like the youngest one isn't as tall, so they probably used. His I body. I think his the oldest one was used for the beach scene at the end, if I remember right. But yeah, um, other names I I mentioned Ken Jong earlier. I think he would have been really good. Jason Siegel, I think would have been an interesting. Uh, I could see him as maybe, I don't know, cause like, you have to get that part like Jack Black as a Ray. I can see. You put, like, imagine those scenes, watch the original, imagine those scenes with, the, like, Jack Black. You can see it, you know. Winston as uh, Donald Glover. Donald Glover also being kind of a younger guy kind of adds something to it, I think. Uh, Bill Hader, he's just really good at a lot of different acting styles. Have you seen Barry? Yeah. Point exactly. But uh, Kevin Hart. Kevin Hart has some light. Dude, that fatherhood movie shredded me to pieces. But, yeah, this is the first movie of our... What about Brian Cranston? Brian Cranston would be a good mayor. He's a little too old for for the main characters, I feel. Even in 2016. And I think that was, like, peak Breaking Bad. If I'm... No, I might be mistaken. Yeah, I was mistaken. Breaking Bad's never unpeaked for me, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, this was our first I am movie. The one who knocks? I'm the one who knocks. Me. <laughs> but yeah, first movie of the uh, <laughs> of the uh, remake month in the books. Ghostbusters uh, answer the call. Hopefully, people want to answer this call. Hopefully, people like this idea. I don't know. I I felt like I was trying to go through it so quickly because it. This was 12 pages of notes. What are you going to do next week when I'm gone? When you're gone, I'm thinking... I don't know yet, man, because there's like... it's so. This month was is hard because so much of it is uh, horror films. And then I've also done a lot of films already that were... Turns out were remakes. So it's... I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, obviously, people will probably know before I do. Or maybe... I don't know. I'm thinking... Might have to be gone in 60 seconds, but I'm also thinking, God, we did that James Bond one so shortly, but Casino Royale is a 
is a remake, and there's an interesting casting what if with that, but his whole career would have been different. He would have definitely had a different trajectory. But yeah, that was it. Uh, if Paul Feig was out, Ruben Fisher was in, and we had that uh, cast table reading, uh, <laughs> then yeah, this is the Ghostbusters that might exist in universe 259 and 5334. Which could be a real thing. Two. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thank you for joining me, and we will catch you. Well, you, we won't catch you next time, but we'll catch you soon.